hospital. I said, no, why? He said, somebody told us you were in the hospital. I'm like, I went in the hospital. I would have liked to have been, but no. I, 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 I caught a cold. Um, no, it wasn't a cold. It was Moac, mother of all colds. <laughs> I, I, I don't think I'd ever been that sick before. It just knocked me out. So um, stay away from me. Lord bless you. Uh, but I, I, I'm going to... I'm going to preach today. It may not make any sense, but we're going to have some fun. So open up the Philippians. Bless you guys. Open up the Philippians 4 if you have a Bible. Philippians 4. This is um, part of our anchored reading series. And... um, part of our anchored reading series and we're going through the book of Philippians Uh, I love this book and I especially love chapter 4 chapter 4 is precious to me in a number of ways and it's a thing that's kind of knitted my heart in some respects to Charlie Kirk's Um, it's the conclusion of this epistle epistle means letter it's the conclusion of of this letter that Paul sent to the church at Philippi. And and the way they would do it is they would be rolled up parchment. So you would have to open the parchment and it would say who you are and who you're writing to. So you'd know who the sender and the recipient was at the beginning. And then the greeting and all the stuff at the end would occur once you got to the bottom of the scroll. This is the bottom of the scroll. And at the bottom of the scroll, after Paul goes through uh, a number of exhortations to the church, he wants to address a couple of ladies that are um, having a bit of a cat fight. Uh, Euodia and Syntyche. Yeah, that's probably why they were having a fight. Syntyche didn't like her name. Um, But I... But as I was watching this, it, these, these, these two ladies are, they're having a problem with each other. Um, and that's common in churches. Not that women have problems with each other, but people have problems with each other often, even now. Um, and the reason why is because we're flawed creatures. We're not perfect. And we're selfish. Um, very difficult couple weeks for me. I came into a realization that um, my capacity to be so insensitive um, was made aware to me where it broke my heart. It just just to realize the capacity we have as human beings that if the Lord doesn't have every area of our life, we, we have the ability to become deadened to what is good. And um, it, it was cathartic. It was like antiseptic to a wound, you know, when you put the alcohol in that fresh cut and it just stings. Oh, no one's ever done that. 
that that's what the week was. It was healthy. It was good. Uh, and then it didn't help that uh, in the midst of all that, and then the the Moac, mother of all colds, hit me. Um, they dropped this article in the um, Ventura, Ventura County Star, I, and I doubt any. I don't know, but I, I don't. I don't subscribe. Does any of you? Anybody get, here get the paper? Yeah. So none of you saw it. Never mind. Let's move on. <laughs> but I had I had received um, a correspondence from a friend, and, and I'm not going to recount it because I had failed that friend uh, previously um, by a correspondence I had read that that had been sent to me, and I, I profusely apologized. But I, I will read, I, I came under accusation from that article um, that, that I need to, to choose between the kingdom of man or the kingdom of God. And that hurt a little bit. I used to have to deal with that with a woman named Dr. Alice Crilly. She, she was so upset I ran for politics. She said, you can't serve both God and mammon. And I said, I, I, what are you talking about? I said, I'm not, I'm not serving two gods. I'm serving one God in two places. This, this, this utter confusion that has enveloped the body of Christ, that has led us to this malaise and, and misery we're now facing and contention where we're watching contention that makes Euodia and Syntyche seem like nothing. We're at odds with one another across the nation. There's a national psychosis. The article, you know, I, and I saw the detractors in the article and I read it and, and you know what, I, I like the writer. I like his writing style. I don't agree with what he writes, uh, all of it. I thought it was honest, I guess. I don't know. I don't know if it's fair. Well, it's fair. I don't care. But the greatest att attacks came from opinions of experts without facts. You didn't read it, so you don't know what I'm talking about. I'm so grateful. <laughs> but to assume why I do what I do they got that completely wrong. Um, but the hardest was that idea that I somehow have to choose between one or the other. And the, the equating of it was in relation to William Wilberforce, who ended and abolished slavery in the British Empire almost 40 years before America did. And he did it through the, the political process. He labored in parliament. America didn't do it that way. No, we, we bludgeoned ourselves with 650,000 dead soldiers littering the battlefields across all of the known United States. And our president was assassinated 
to remove the scourge from our nation because Christians don't do politics. You have to choose one or the other. Do you realize you've been lied to? So I reached out to my, my friend who wrote a book that became a bestseller. And he wrote the book on William Wilberforce. And I sent him the accusation and I said, what's your take on this? And this is Eric Metaxas, my friend. He said, brother, I love you. I'm sorry your friend would have mistaken thoughts as he does. He's, of course, perfectly wrong. Not just about Wilberforce, but about the whole thing. The idea that we have to choose between the kingdom of God and the United States is like saying you have to choose between loving God and loving your wife and family. Loving God is reflected in your love for your wife and family. Loving America arises out of our love of God and vice versa. Or at least it should. So your dear friend is wrong, as so many of my dear friends are wrong. This isn't to say that every pastor should be like you, but the idea that pastors aren't allowed to be political. Well, I recently wrote a whole book on the subject as you well know. What he says is preposterous and unbiblical and nonsensical. What he says about William Wilberforce is deeply wrong because according to that logic, Wilberforce would have never stayed a politician. He, his commitment to the Lord was total, but thanks to his early conversion on the subject with John Newton, and it's in my book, Amazing Grace, he understood that the Lord wanted to use him in politics and did use him in politics because of his profound faith. So your friend is unsurprisingly confused and wrong. I have many such friends and I try not to talk to them or interact with them because it can just be depressing. When it's good friends we've had for a long time, it's even more depressing. It's sad, but it's where we are right now. We have to give these friends over to the Lord. There's little use arguing with most of them. Rob, I'm deeply proud of you to know you and call you friend. Hmm. Grateful for your willingness to be where God has put you in all this. Skip all that. He says, I'm always here to help. Uh, it was comforting. And so, as I was looking through Philippians 4 and considering the division in the body of Christ and the struggles we're having, all of us, I, I know each of us can recount a story with a friend or a loved one or a family member where this is all becoming an issue, isn't it? Yeah? Oh, good. I'm in good company. Amen. Well, um, let's stand for the reading of the word of the Lord. Philippians chapter 4. I'll pick up at verse 1. 
Therefore, my beloved and longed-for brethren, my joy and crown, so stand fast in the Lord, beloved. I implore you, Odia, and I implore Syntyche, to be of the same mind in the Lord. I urge you also, true companion, help these women who labored with me in the gospel, with Clement also, and the rest of my fellow workers whose names are in the book of life. Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I say, rejoice. Let your gentleness be known to all men. The Lord is at hand. Be anxious for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your request be made known to God and the peace of God which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds through Christ Jesus. Finally, brethren, whatever things are true, whatever things are noble, whatever things are just, whatever things are pure, whatever things are lovely, whatever things are of good report, if there is any virtue, if there is anything praiseworthy, meditate on these things. The things which you learned and received and heard and saw in me, these do. And the God of peace will be with you. But I rejoice in the Lord greatly that now at last your care for me has flourished again. Though you surely did care, but you lacked opportunity not that I speak in regard to need, for I have learned in whatever state I am to be content. I know how to be abased and I know how to abound. Everywhere and in all things I have learned both to be full and to be hungry, both to abound and to suffer need. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Nevertheless, you have done well that you've shared in my distress now you Philippians know also that in the beginning of the gospel when I departed from Macedonia, no church shared with me concerning giving and receiving, but only you. For even in, my, in Thessalonica, you sent aid once and again for my necessities. Not that I seek the gift, but I seek the fruit that abounds to your account. Indeed, I have all and abound. I am full having received those um, things sent from you, a sweet-smelling aroma, an acceptable, fragrant, uh, acceptable sacrifice, well-pleasing to God. And my God shall supply all your need according to his riches and glory by Christ Jesus. Now to our God and Father be glory forever and ever. Amen. And then he says this. Greet every saint in Christ Jesus. By the way, saint isn't what our Catholic brothers and sisters venerate people to be. If you're a believer in Jesus Christ, you're a saint. So you can call me Saint Rob from now on. <laughs> yeah. Greet every saint in Christ Jesus. The brethren who are with me greet you. All the saints greet you. And this one blows me away every time I read it. Ready? but especially those who are in the household of Caesar. N Nero was the Caesar, and there's Christians in his home. 
And the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you all. Amen. Lord, we thank you for your word, and I, I pray that you'd make um, clarity for folks to encourage them today. I thank you for this concluding passage that Paul gave to the church at Philippi that's so fitting to us today that he would conclude by saying, finally, brethren, whatever things are true, if there's virtue in any of it, Lord, that we're to meditate on these things. And you've given us this great gift of prayer that we can't hate people we're praying for. We can't be angry at people we're praying for. We can't despise people we're praying for. We always remember that people are not the enemy. They're the opportunity. And if you're at the right hand of the Father, Lord Jesus, making intercession for us, why would we not do it for others? The only thing the disciples ever asked you to teach them was how to pray. And so, Lord, what Paul gives us here is so profound. I ask God that you would apply it to our little fellowship and strengthen the brethren and the saints who are found here at God speak. Thank you, Lord, for the extensiveness of this little fellowship that though they try to censor us on every platform, there are folks from all over the country and world that call this church their home. And we welcome them. And from a distance, though you can see the fire and you can hear it, we want you to know that here it's felt and your presence and your warmth is felt among us. And we pray you'd have the same where you are. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. Have a seat if you would. Paul says, finally, brethren, whatever things are true, whatever things are noble, whatever things are just, whatever things are pure, whatever things are lovely, whatever things are of good report. And then he says, if there's any virtue, virtue, virtue. That just kept ringing in my head, virtue. If there's any virtue, if there's anything praiseworthy, meditate on that. Quit worrying about everything else. We're so busy worrying about so many things that we have no control over. And this is what we should be doing. And prior to that, he says, and, and are you anxious? Are you nervous? He says, be anxious in nothing. And I've shared this so many times, and I'll do it a thousand times more, but the word nothing in the Greek means nothing. Be anxious for... Let's try that again. Be anxious for... But in everything, and the word everything in the Greek means everything... But in everything by prayer 
Now, stop. You want to preach a church down to a manageable size, call for a prayer meeting. We love to talk about prayer. We love people praying for us. We ask people to pray for us. But we just can't seem to find time ourselves to pray. Is anything worth doing if you can do it apart from prayer? I'm just going to pause for emphasis. Jesus would awaken long before the sun would arise and go to a solitary place in there, commune with the Father. Prayer, talking to God. I, um, I don't pray in my, my devotion time first. I read my Bible first. And as I'm reading, God speaks to me. Because he's God. And he speaks first. I listen. I don't, I don't go to him as though he's my cosmic genie in the sky and I'm going to give him my laundry list of demands. The Bible says in Psalm 131, I've calmed and quieted my soul like a weaned child is my soul within me. I don't concern myself with matters too profound for myself. I just rest in the Lord. When the Lord taught the disciples not just once but twice on two separate occasions how to pray, he gave them a model, our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Remember who you're talking to. It's God. Let him talk first. And the way he speaks is by his word. Faith comes from hearing and hearing from the word of God. I, I, I pray it helps you. It, it, it certainly transformed my private time with the Lord. I used to have a, a prayer list. People say, pray for me. And I just get a long prayer list. And I just start going through it. And, and it just, there's no passion in it. I just, I was just reading off names. And then finally, I began reading my Bible before I began praying. And then the Lord started to orchestrate the direction of my prayers based on what he spoke to me through his word. And then I had something to say into the life of the people who had asked me to pray for them. Do you understand this? It was, it was I, I thought it was revolutionary. And some people were going, well, no, duh, idiot. You got it long before I did. It was, it was revolutionary. And in this idea that in everything by prayer, supplication, you're, you're laying out these things, but you're thankful. You're not whining. I've really gotten into the business of whining like God owes us something. And, and only then after you can get to that place where this contentment, I... I I've learned how to be abased, and I've learned how to abound. The Apostle Paul would write later, godliness with contentment is great gain. Are you content? Contentment is not having the next thing. Contentment has nothing to do with things. 
Contentment is resting in God. Do you trust him? Because when it gets when it gets really hard and you're abased and attacked, are you content? It's in that contentment that you find great gain. And that comes with this peace, and the peace comes by prayer. You read God's word, he speaks to you, and then you speak to him through his word. And then he guards your heart and your mind through Christ Jesus. But he gives us a peace that surpasses all understanding. It makes no earthly sense how you can have such total peace in the midst of such chaos. And then after he lays all that out, telling these two women, because it started with them, he just said, everybody's aware of the cat fight, but everybody knows you've had your own. This is how you deal with it. You can't hate somebody you're praying for. Intercede. And then he says, turn off that idiot box in the corner of your living room. You know, the window into hell. Turn off the satellite XM. Turn it off. Quit allowing someone else to write the, the narrative of your worldview. Quit giving them the ability to live in your head rent free with fear and distortion and lies. Instead, what do you do? Well, finally, I'll tell you what you do. Whatever. Ready? I'm going to give you a quiz. Does anyone know what the word whatever means in Greek? <laughs> yeah, there you go. Whatever things are true. How do you know they're true? Robert heard you in the hospital. That's not true. That's a rumor. A rumor is a lie with legs. If you don't know it to be true, do not speak it. Don't pass on an email you haven't confirmed without the source truth. Do not speak of someone poorly based on someone else's account unless you have verified all of it to be true. Tony Logan reached out. He says, is this true? No. Thank you. Rumors are lies. It's the way the enemy works. It's 
the way that he sows seeds of discord and division. Politics becomes a very difficult place for that because it destroys a nation. We say things about one another, especially in primaries, and then can't seem to come together on a general election because we've invested so much in the candidate that didn't win. We become bitter. There's no room for that in the body of Christ. Whatever things are true, whatever things are noble, whatever things are just, whatever things are pure, whatever things are lovely, whatever things are of good report, and if there's any virtue, if there's anything praiseworthy, meditate on this. In Peter it says, as his divine power has given to us all things that pertain to life and godliness through the knowledge of him who called us by glory and virtue. Virtue. He called us by glory and virtue. Virtue. By which have been given to us exceedingly great and precious promises that through these you may be partakers of the divine nature having escaped the corruption of this world through lust. But also for this reason, giving all diligence, add to your faith virtue. And to virtue, knowledge, virtue. It's a noun. Conformity to a standard of right. It's called morality. There are moral absolutes and I believe that absolutely a particular moral excellence a beneficial quality or power of a thing manly strength or courage valor a commendable quality or trait a merit a capacity to act a potency this idea that Happiness is the highest virtue, according to Aristotle. Contentment. Contentment means that you're right where God intended you to be, doing exactly what he designed you to do. And that is where you'll find your greatest happiness. And you'll secure that. And that's why Aristotle said that happiness is the highest form of virtue. Do you realize all of you who are complaining about having to be alive in this season in America's history? You got, you got it all wrong. You have been chosen to be alive for such a time as this. This is this is this is this is your virtue. This is the highest virtue. Your DNA is wired for this. But you are not content. And the contentment is the fact that you have become numb to the things of God. You no longer listen to him. You don't read his word. And you no longer speak to him. You don't pray. And now there's contention. Contention. Contention forming in the realm politically. Contention forming in the realm of churches and pastors 
contending with one another over issues. The frustration that the world has with the church is that whenever the church carries the sword and we become a government, we're terrible. We do inquisitions. God never intended the church to carry the government. It wasn't, we're not to carry the sword. But in the same regard, the government is, is never going to be effective without a moral people. And the most critical component to any nation's survival is one word, virtue. Virtue. The American founding was both revolutionary and conservative. It sought to conserve the oldest and highest law, which according to the Declaration of Independence is the laws of nature, nature's God. Why am I here and how am I to live? What are the rules designed by the laws of nature and nature's God that I must conform to them? Because in that, I will find my highest good. I will be free. Laws of nature's nature's God, they're endowed by the creator with these inalienable rights. Goes on to say in that declaration, appealing to the supreme judge of the world, protection of divine providence, four times God's listed in the declaration of independence. But the idea is virtue is critical to a nation. And virtue is the, is, is, we hold these truths to be self-evident that all men are created equal and now by the creator with certain animal rights, among those being life, liberty, pursuit of the highest virtue, happiness. What is, your, what is your purpose? Quit whining. You, you, you were wired for this. You got this. God didn't make any mistakes. What an exciting time to be alive. Some of you are going, what is he smoking? For the Lord will greatly bless you in the land which the Lord your God is giving you to possess as an inheritance only if you carefully obey the voice, his word, of the Lord. And observe with care all these commandments which I command you today. If you're not reading your Bible, how do you know what his word is? How do you know what to obey? If you're not reading the anchored series, if you're not, if you're not reading your scriptures, if you're not praying... And you're wondering why you're not content. Bingo! Look, I'm preaching to me. If you have a problem with it, let go of it. I'm having one too. My worst days are the days that I don't crack that Bible. Titler cycle. Scottish historian we go from bondage to faith faith to courage courage now let's do this one it's better bondage to spiritual faith courage liberty then abundance selfishness complacency apathy dependence bondage how do we get to a place of complacency selfishness apathy because we've experienced abundance where did we get the abundance 
Well, from the liberty. Where did we get the liberty? From the courage. Where did we get the courage? From the spiritual faith. Why did we need it? Because we were once in bondage. And we broke free. And then, and then all this blessing started coming on us and we became accustomed to it. And we loved the gifts more than the giver of the gifts. Now we're getting back into this cycle of selfishness and complacency and apathy. Why bother voting? Why bother walking precincts? Why bother helping candidates? California's going to hell in a handbag. There's no hope for the state. I'm looking for property somewhere else. Good, go. God, God can use Gideon's army. He turned the world right side up with 12 disciples. What are, you, what, what are you looking, where's your contentment? What's your calling? Your calling's to run? Your, your calling is what? Your investments? Why are you here? What is, what is the deepest calling? The unexamined life isn't worth living, Aristotle said. God has a calling on your life of profound significance and the nation has found itself living on the virtues of our ancestors. And now we're in moral bankruptcy. Why don't cranes fall over and topple? They have a counterweight. There's a tower, there's a loading platform, the loading arm. The counterweight is something that's equal to that which is going to be lifted on the opposing side of the crane. Counterweights are necessary. Otherwise, it would crumble. And that's why we close with where I began, virtue. This nation will crumble if we don't bring in a counterweight. And that counterweight is virtue. The golden triangle of freedom. This golden triangle keeps society on, lip, on the liberty side of the cycle. Freedom, faith, virtue. It's like this. Freedom, virtue, faith. They're all necessary. Virtue. Remember who you are. And what your calling is. And your contentment is in him. Know his laws. Abide by them. Read his word and honor it. Speak to him in accordance with the way he's spoken to you. And that faith will produce freedom. And that freedom will establish this virtue, this, this ability to obtain everything God intended for your life. George Washington in his farewell address of all the dispositions and habits which lead to political prosperity religion and morality are indispensable supports in vain would that man claim the tribute of patriotism who should labor to subvert these great pillars reason and experience both forbid us to expect that national morality can prevail in exclusion of religious principles is substantially true that virtue or morality is a necessary spring of popular government. Can it be that providence has not connected the permanent
felicity of a nation with its virtue. Sam Adams wrote, while the people are virtuous, they cannot be subdued. But once they lose their virtue, they will be ready to surrender their liberties to the first external or internal invader. If we would enjoy this gift of heaven, let us become a virtuous people. You say, ah, the founders were hypocrites. They're all slaveholders. True. The founders were both. The founders were hypocrites. Um, is not true, though. Washington and Jefferson both did hold slaves, but they were not hypocrites. A hypocrite is someone who... knows the truth and wants to keep people away from it. A hypocrite isn't someone who professes one thing and fails to obtain it. Both of them, in an era of mankind that embraced slavery, sought to abolish it. Did you know that there were 28 amendments proposed, not 27, actually, more were added later, but I'm, what I'm stating is there was one specific, especially in the Bill of Rights that was going to be included, but it was Georgia and Carolina that refused to allow it to go in. And this amendment, similar to we hope, the, the, um, the, the First Amendment, Congress shall make no law respecting the establishment of religion nor prohibiting the free exercise thereof. It was this profound. And it was penned, authored, and written and presented by one man, Thomas Jefferson. And it called for the abolition of slavery as a reason. But Georgia... Carolina refused to join. So they put it on the back burner, but they kept pushing forward. The Northwest Ordinance, which was adopted in 1787, religion, morality, and knowledge being necessary to good government and the happiness of mankind, schools and the means of education shall be encouraged, and there shall neither be slavery nor involuntary servitude in the said territories. Religion needs to be taught in the schools and there's no slavery in these new territories. Well, that became Minnesota, Wisconsin, Michigan, Illinois, Indiana, and Ohio. It used to be all part of Virginia. I guess... The Apostle Paul, what he said to the church at Philippi, when he concluded his letter, first speaking to the two women who were in a catfight, but looking at the bigger picture, he just said, be gentle, be virtuous. Rejoice in the Lord always. Give thanks. Be happy. Find contentment. 
Contentment is not based on your circumstances. But on your disposition. And there are a lot of people who think that they are content and they walk around with a big smile. And I've met a couple of them. And you can just see past the veneer. It is a game. It, it, it's a gimmick. They got everybody fooled like they're Mr. Motivation. They're not happy. I, 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 the, con, the content people, nothing phases them. They go through the worst seasons of life and it's like, yeah, but I'm happy. Do you want that? Because it's yours for the asking. Jesus says, come to me, all you are burdened and heavy laden, I'll give you rest. My yoke is easy, my burden is light. Why are you burdened and heavy laden? You're carrying a bunch of baggage. Why? The Lord says, cast your cares on me, for I care for you. Give it to him. Let him take it. Let, let him be the one to carry that burden for you. Or be like the, the man who had brain damage. He had a strong back. And they worked him in the village. He carried the loads of bricks. Finally, one man felt sorry for him. So he let him ride in the cart. But he noticed that the man kept holding the bricks on his shoulders while he rode in the cart. He said, why are you doing that? You're supposed to be resting. He says, because I, I don't want to burden the horse. You didn't get it. <laughs> God wants to take it and carry it. He wants you to be virtuous. He wants you to read and pray and be gentle and to turn off all of the external noise and hear his still small voice. And whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is pure, those are the things that you meditate on. And that peace of God which surpasses all understanding will guard your heart and your mind in Christ Jesus. And I am so thankful I preached that sermon to myself. Amen. Let's pray. Lord, thank you for your word. Thank you that it is true. Thank you that your word brings life. And as we read, our faith increases. And then, Lord, we come to understand this peace that surpasses all understanding as through your word you teach us how to pray. Pray for things that are things we didn't even think about praying for. 
Lord, the way you get our attention and the patience you have with us. But we can all just stop in the midst of it all and say, are we content? What are we anxious about? Well, you've already uh, covered that. You said nothing. You're to be anxious in nothing. And whatever is true. Don't participate in lies. Whatever is true. And this will resolve it. And this peace that the world will not be able to comprehend will flood over you and comfort you. And that godliness and that contentment will bring you great gain. Lord, please save our nation. Bring, bring us to a place of virtue. Give us a hunger for your word, we pray. And a heart to proclaim it and live it. And make us men and women of prayer. We ask this all in Jesus' name. Amen.